for you to hear today. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I've entitled the message Hard Times. Would y'all agree with me that these past several months have been hard times? Can I just speak Hebrew for a minute? Great day. These have really been some hard, hard days, and these have been some hard times. I've never experienced hard days like this in my life. We've been in the midst of a pandemic, and one of the sweetest people I've ever met in Hartsville passed away early last week because of the coronavirus. Such a sweet, sweet lady. Uh, in fact, let me just, can I brag on her for a little bit? Because y'all gave me a lot of time to preach this morning. Um, let me just brag on her for a little You know, there, certain people in church make church sweet, and she was one of them. She would bring uh, cookies, not only to the pastoral staff, but to whoever knew where she was going to be at. And she would make cookies every Sunday. And one day in the pulpit, I made the comment, I didn't get any cookies today. Somebody ate them before I got there. So y'all know what this sweet lady used to do, Miss Mary? Miss Mary would make me my own little batch of cookies with tinfoil wrapped on them. And y'all know what I did? I ate ate them all. (laughs) I didn't take them home to share. I kept them in the office. And if I didn't eat them on Sunday, I ate them on Monday. But you know, this pandemic has affected all of us. You look at our nation. uh, There's racial discord. There's so much unrest, rioting, uh, looting. You know, you you step back and you think we're we're a civility. You know, that's at a loss, it seems like, these days. So when I think of all that's going on, these are really hard times. Can I get a witness? Hard, hard days. Well, the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to experience hard times. He knew what it was like to experience times of suffering and seasons of suffering. And he knew what it was like. And if he knew what it was like... I don't know about you, but it does me a little bit good to say, hey, here's somebody in Scripture that's been there and done that, and if he's had some hard times of his own, I can identify with him because I've been through hard times as well. We live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a world that is just marred by sin, and there will be times and there will be seasons when you or somebody you love will go through hard times. And we don't wish it upon anybody. But there will be seasons. If you've lived long enough, there will be times in your life and there will be seasons of your life that you will experience some hard, hard times. And we're getting to the text. You're probably thinking, when in the world is he going to read this? In a minute. I'm getting there. This long introduction, normally not this long. George Barna asked the question. He said, if you were to ask God just one thing, what would it be? And he got a lot of responses, but the number one answer to that question if you could ask God one thing what would it be the number one question people wanted God to answer is this why is there pain and suffering in the world you ever thought that you ever thought you ever thought to yourself that you wanted to ask God that same thing why is there pain why is there suffering in the world I'll tell you when it hits home that's when you really want to ask that doesn't it why is there pain why is there suffering in the world to put another way why do bad things happen to good people can I meddle a little bit? Are we really that good? You know? I mean, what's it like to you when somebody cuts you off at the traffic jam or at the red light? Or when you're waiting for everybody and their mother to get through the checkout line at Walmart? Or when you just wish that waiter or waitress would just hurry it up a little bit? You know, are you that type of person? Are we really, really, really that good? Y'all know I'm playing a little bit. Y'all already get in the check, the mark out saying nay, right? <laughs> But we wonder, God, why is all this stuff happening? 
Why are we going through these tough, tough day, days? Here's another one of those questions that you can ask and that Barna reported. Why is there so much evil in the world if God is a loving God? Hmm. I remember sitting in um, a political science class at USC Aiken, which is where I did my undergrad. And we watched one of the um, most famous trials of the 20th century, and that was the O.J. Simpson trial. Some of y'all know where you were when that verdict was handed down. Well, I was in political science class. I was in Dr. Purdy's political science class. I took just about every class Dr. Purdy offered, and, um, and she was a hoot. She really was. I wish I could find her. I've lost track of her. But we were in Dr. Purdy's class. We were watching the trial that day because we wanted to know what the verdict was. And we were, I mean, our class just gasped like I think the world did when Judge Lance Ito's clerk handed down the verdict of not guilty. You know, cameras just panned on, on OJ. But then they panned to Nicole Simpson's mom. And this is what she did. She looked up toward the heavens and she said, God, where are you? And sometimes if you lived a little, you probably have said the same thing. God, where are you in these hard times? And, and that was Paul. You know, before um, we read the text here, just let me tell you how he closes chapter 11. He closes chapter 11. This is Paul now, you know, greatest missionary to ever live. And Paul says, man, there have been times I have been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been mugged. I've been betrayed. I've been left for dead. And I remind you, this is Paul, you know, greatest missionary to ever live, right? Golly, Moses, the hand of God was upon him. And yet he says in the ending part of chapter 11 here of 2 Corinthians, this is what I've gone through. Not exactly life on easy street, right? Hey, here's the thought. How many of us would really be followers of Christ if we had to go through what Paul went through? Just saying. So here's Paul, and it's almost as if he's saying, this is what's happened to me. I know what it's like to suffer. In fact, he kept this kind of hidden to himself for some 14 years. Nobody really knew what was going on in his life. Nobody really knew what he was going through in his life until he actually came to verse 12 here or to chapter 12 here. And he says, I've got this thorn in the flesh, and we'll read about that. Some of you know what it's like to go through what Paul went through. Some of you know what it's like to have hard times. Some of you know what it's like to suffer. Maybe you've heard it said this way before. What do you mean I've got lung cancer? I haven't smoked a day in my life. And that's the beginning for you of some hard times. Hey, Paul can identify. Or, or maybe you know what it's like to receive those papers from an attorney and they're divorce papers. And you hear from your spouse wanting the divorce, hey, it's not me, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and you're thinking there, well, wait a minute, if, if it's not me, it's you, how come I feel like I'm the one getting the shaft? And it's the beginning for you of some hard times. Or maybe for you, you know what it's like to be working for someplace forever like my mother did, and, and the only reason you got out of your job is because the company closed down. And you're thinking, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're letting me go after all of these years for faithful employment, and, and now this is it? You know, sayonara, you're, you're, you're telling me bye? And it's the beginning of, of hard times. I, I say all that to say this, hey, Scripture's got an answer for that. And there's somebody in Scripture like Paul that's been there, done that, and he suffered. He went through hard times. 
just like me and you. You got your Bibles open in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Say amen if you do. All right, well, let's look here at verses 7 and following, and you can just keep your Bibles open there because we're going to be referring back to that. Here's what the Bible says. This is God's word for you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The Bible says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. And, and I love verse 8. It's, he, Paul is saying he's just being real to us. And he's, he's saying three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient, what's it say, church, for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, hmm, then I am strong. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for uh, your word, for your church gathered here in Sheraw today. And Lord, I pray that for these next few minutes you will um, speak to us. Lord, I know there's a task at hand, but Lord, I pray that we're not... Um, just so focused in on the trial that we miss what you might want to say to us this morning from your word. So, Lord, may it uh, surely not be about me this morning, but may it be about you. So, Father, help us to be attentive to what your word is going to say to us and help us to hear you uh, from the power of the Holy Spirit who is here and who is our teacher. We pray this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Hey, amen. Thank you uh, for participating. You know, I want us to look at the story of Paul for just a few minutes and some lessons that we can learn about how we go through hard times. And here's the first lesson. In hard times, in your seasons of suffering, and you will go through them, even our little ones, our kids that are here, you know, man, we hate to think about it, but one day as they live their life, they'll be just like mom and dad. They'll go through their own seasons that's hard. Well, whenever we go through seasons that are hard, the first lesson we learn is that God is present. In hard times, never, ever, ever forget that God is there and God is present in your hard times. Hard times, tough times. Man, they can be grueling. And not only are they just hard, right? One of the things that makes them hard is that you can feel so isolated. You know, one of my favorite shows just went off Thursday night, and I'm kind of glad it went off. It was a three-hour-long show. And for three hours, I sat there. Y'all know what the name of that show was called? Alone. And whenever you go through seasons that are hard and you go through hard times, you might feel alone. You might be looking at everybody around you and they might be living life on easy street and you're thinking, man, I wish that was me. Life is easy. Life is good. And then you look at your own life and you're thinking, man, life is hard. And you might have good Christian friends in your life. I pray that you do. That's the beautiful thing about small groups in church is that you can do life together with them on a much more intimate level. But it doesn't matter if you've got a a, a good group of of Christian friends in your life that's in your circle. It doesn't matter if you've got Christian counselors that you've gone to see, and there's some really good ones that are out there. Whenever you go through hard times, you can really, really feel alone. And some of you know what that feels like to go through seasons that are just not only hard, but they feel alone. One of the most comforting truths we see from this passage of God's word is that even when you feel like you're alone, you're really not alone. 
Phillips, Craig, and Dean used to sing about that. I love that song they came out with. And it might have been in the 90s, but man, time flies. But you are not alone because there's the God that is with you. We dig into Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, and we see this idea prominently displayed that you really aren't ever, ever alone. And the first couple of verses here of chapter 12, Paul, Paul's on a mountain. Don't y'all like mountains? Of course you, you're like, no, I like the beach instead. Yeah, but play with me here, all right? Think with me here. Yeah, he, he's on a mountaintop experience. When we see this in the beginning of verse 12 here, and he's talking about what he's done and what he's experienced. Nobody else has experienced what he experienced, and he shares just a glimpse of it with us here in the beginning part of chapter 12. An unbelievable experience. He, that's his pinnacle. That's the mountaintop experience. Y'all with me? Then he comes down low to the valleys. Who in here likes the valley? None of us do. It's hard leaving the mountaintop experience and having to do life for a little bit in the valley. So what Paul says here, he says in verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. He is like saying, God has revealed to me some wonderful things about heaven and about glory, but to keep me from becoming proud. A thorn was given me in the flesh. That's one of the phrases in scripture that's made it out into the secular world. Whether somebody knows the Bible or not, you might even hear somebody that's not even in church, that doesn't even have a relationship with the Lord, say, I've got a thorn in my flesh, or I've got a thorn in my side here. Can I tell you what that means? We don't know. But there's people out there that love to debate, and they, you know, Bible scholars and theologians, they love to debate just what this thorn happens to be. Some people say, well, Paul had poor eyesight. That had to be what it was. Some people say, well, maybe he had a speech impediment. We don't know, but can I just have a pause here and do what a lot of pastors do unless they go off on a tangent um y'all might be thinking gosh he talks fast i'm just thankful i can talk at all because when i was a kid i had three to four years of speech therapy i went through i couldn't speak a lick stuttered like crazy nobody could understand a word i said we used to go out with a group of people on friday night called the friday night gang i was the youngest one because, you know, I had to go where Mama went. So I went with Mom and some, some other folks. And they all seemed older to me. But now I have to think back on it. They were probably just my age. But we would go out on a Friday night to Augusta, Georgia, out to eat, go to a restaurant. And they used to turn the radio on and have me sing a song. I thought they liked how I sung, Steve, wherever you are. Where's Steve at? There you are. Steve, I thought they liked how I sung. But I think I was just their entertainment. They liked to laugh at me. I was just so bad. Nobody could understand a word I said. Some people might say, well, maybe Paul had a speech impediment. (laughs) Some people say, well, maybe he had some type of physical handicap. Some say, but maybe this thorn in his flesh was his mother-in-law. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Seems y'all are with me there. We don't know what his thorn was. And you know what? I'm all right with that. One day, if I really, really want to know when I get to heaven, I'll find out. But I think God intentionally left that blank for us. And the reason I think the Lord did not have Paul write exactly what this thorn in the flesh was, was so that you and I can identify with him. Because if we had said, well, oh, wait a minute, he had poor eyesight. Some of you that's got great eyesight would say, well, hey, I can't identify with him. If it would have been a speech impediment, some of you that's got the gift of gab and the gift to communicate, you would say, well, I can't identify with him, man. Paul might have had an issue with talking and speaking, but man, not me. I think the reason God left this anonymous thorn in the text was so that no matter what your particular affliction might be, 
The same God that gave Paul victory over his thorn is the same God that can give you victory over yours. And I'm really glad some of y'all said amen to that because I, I, I would almost amen myself. That's good right there. You know, I remember several years ago, we went to Walt Disney World. And um, one of the things that we did when we were at Walt Disney World was, um, it was really my thing, not, not the kids' thing. I wanted to go to Epcot Center because I like history. So, um, so we went to Epcot, and I, I like to eat too. So I had already looked on my app and found out, well, well, this restaurant in China, as President Trump would say, China, right, was really good when it came to their reviews. So we went to China to eat dinner because I like Oriental food. And um, when we walked in, two things just really, really hit me. One was incense galore. Y'all know how it is when people wear too much cologne or perfume? Well, it just was too much incense. But, you know, we got past that, and then the next thing I saw was this big old statue of Buddha. And he, you know, he's there and his legs are crossed, his arms are folded. You know, he's, he's smiling and he's got his eyes are closed. He looks more at peace than I did. And by golly, I was the one on vacation. <laughs> but he looked more at peace. And, and it hit me, man, look how sad it is. There was money all around him. All sorts of stuff that was just given to a statue. And it hit me how different. I am than some people. Some people worship this thing. They worship a religion. Praise God, I got a relationship with a Savior who died on the cross for me, and he is with me, and he is for me, even in what? Hard times. That's the first lesson. Let's move on to the second lesson. He's God with us. He's with us in hard times. Number two, in hard times, God is not silent. Y'all ever wish somebody was silent? Of course you do. <laughs> we all do. God's not silent when we go through hard times. And, and we might be going through some, some, some seasons every now and then it's hard. And we might just react to God in a very real, you know, visceral way. And, and that's all right. God's a big boy. And he can understand when we're just crying out to him and just talking to him. And we're, we're human after all. But how does Paul respond? I mean, this is Paul. How did the great apostle Paul respond to his hard times? Look what it says there in verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. I don't think he kind of was casual and nonchalant about that. Hey, God, take this away from me. I think he was crying out. You know, those times in your life when you're on your knees crying out, God, take this away. And y'all been there before, haven't you? There again, if you live life long enough, you've been there. You've asked God, where are you in this sickness that I have? Or where are you in this sickness that my loved one has? Lord, when are you going to relieve this sorrow that I'm going through? When are you going to take this burden from me? Lord, how in the world am I going to get through this trial that I'm in now? Lord, how are you going to alleviate the suffering that my loved one is going through? Y'all ever ask God questions like that? I guarantee you, you have. If you're being honest with yourself and if you live life long enough, three times the Bible says, at least three times, Paul prayed, Lord, take it away. And he begged the healer to remove his thorn, but God chose hmm, not to. So was there something wrong with the prayer that he prayed? No. There wasn't anything wrong with the prayer that he prayed. And by the way, there wasn't anything wrong with God either when God heard this prayer. I mean, God heard. 
He's our Heavenly Father. No matter where my kids happen to be, if they call and say, Dad, guess who's going to be listening? Yeah, me. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with God. I mean, God heard Paul's plea. He loved Paul. He cares for Paul. But when God finally answered, I don't think it really was the answer that Paul wanted, do you? But it was the answer he needed. It was the answer he needed. Paul wanted God to deal with his problem by subtraction. And I don't know if we had any math teachers in here, but he didn't deal with his problem by subtraction. He dealt with it by addition. Because when Paul, right in the middle of his prayer, in the middle of his pleading, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his hurting, he hears God say, my grace is sufficient for you. Thank you. Paul didn't get the answer he necessarily wanted, but he got the answer that he needed. So if you have a problem in your life and you've asked God to take it away, he hasn't, maybe it's not because you're not praying, but just maybe it's because you're not spending time to listen. When I look at this text, um, it almost seems like God taught Paul some of the greatest lessons of his life in the most difficult times of his life. You know, the bad news about hard times or the bad news about tough times can turn out to be good news after all, and you'll learn more about God and his love for you oftentimes when you're in the valley than when you're on the mountaintop. Y'all with me? Check your head if you're with me on that one, right? Okay. I I love how C.S. Lewis talks about this, and and it'll be on the screen, but listen to what C.S. Lewis says. Uh, He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. He shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Her her name was Lori. And Lori wrestled with terminal cancer and her battle went on and on and on for years upon years. In fact, two years. And she went from one treatment to another, just trying to attack and survive that enemy known as cancer. And she did what um, I would hope people would do to their pastors, and that's to say, hey, pastor, pray for me. I've got this going on. Her specific prayer was to pray for my liver markers to be down so I can take chemo. And some of y'all know what that's like. This is what her pastor said. He said, I normally dread receiving this type of correspondence from some people because of their attitude. (laughs) But I try not to judge. But Lori's emails are always full of praise for God's goodness, his mercy, and his love toward her for how he has used tough times to draw her to himself. The thread that runs through her emails reminded the pastor, and perhaps it can remind me and you as well today, that suffering reminds us of our own frailty and just how fragile life can be. But most importantly, during those times that are hard, it reminds us that we've got a God who is there. Have you ever noticed when you've gone through seasons that are hard for you that, that whenever we go through those hard times and those tough times, just a thought, have you ever noticed that you feel closer to God during those times than when you really are on the mountain? God uses things like pain and suffering to remind us of who he is. And the weaker we are, the stronger he get. David Jeremiah, who was one of my favorite preachers, let's put it this way. When this little light of mine, y'all remember that song? When this little light of mine grows a little bit dimmer, that's when God's bright spotlights grow a whole lot brighter. But it's often when we go through hard times. Let me give you the last lesson we see here 
And that is, uh, that's this. In hard times, God's strength is greater. His strength is greater. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And though we may not be totally at peace with it, whenever we go through hard times, we know life does not exist without pain. Hey, praise God, there's coming a day where there won't be any more pain. (laughs) But here on this side of heaven, we're going to have our fair share of pain and sorrow. So how do we respond to it? Well, listen to this. If in our our hard times we respond in agony, and, and we're in agony, we're in sorrow, we're in hard times, if we respond with resistance or with resentment or with bitterness, you're going to live a defeated life. But if on the other hand, Prayerfulness is a mark of your life. Patience, faith, trust. Then you're looking at a person that despite their hardships and despite living in the valley can live a victorious life. I mean, Paul put it this way in verses 9 and 10. He said, he said for, the, for the sake of Christ, verse 10, I'm content with my weaknesses. I'm okay with my insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I'm weak, what's the rest of it say? Then I am strong. He has turned a 180 degrees here. He's so different now. I mean, before God spoke, all Paul saw was his problem. But after God spoke, he's a different man. Because he realized, he realized that now I've got something far greater than just being delivered from my hard times. I got something far greater than that thorn just being removed from me. I've got a supernatural strength given from God on high that he gives to me and it makes me aware of his presence. It makes me aware of his purpose and his plans for me is so much bigger than my own. Hey, there's a a guy named Viktor Frankl who's a Jewish neurologist and a psychiatrist who's a survivor of the Holocaust. And there was a time in his life when he was in one of the Nazi concentration camps. He said, suffering only has meaning provided that the suffering is unavoidable. If it is is avoidable, the meaningful thing to do is to remove its cause for unnecessary suffering. If, on the other hand, one cannot change the situation that causes his suffering, he can still choose his attitude. So, folks, here's what you can do whenever you're in hard times. You can... You can look at your suffering as an enemy in which to avoid. You can look at your hard times, your suffering as a master to surrender to. And hey, by the way, there's only one person you need to surrender to, right? That's the Jesus. Or in the midst of your suffering and hard times, you can look at it as a servant that God can use to minister to you where you are at that point in your life. Hey, I close with this. A former pastor learned uh, all of this firsthand. Uh, through his own season of hard times. Uh, His name was Sam, and Sam woke up one morning, and his left arm was numb, just kind of tingling. Y'all know what it's like for your feet to fall asleep. Anybody's foot fell asleep yet in here? I hope not, but it would be kind of funny to watch the Steiner kind of stand up right now. But he woke up one morning, and his, and his, his arm was just like asleep. Second morning, same thing third morning same thing he finally thought well you know i need to see the doctor about this so he goes to see his family physician and um found out travis that it was uh multiple sclerosis he never never thought he would hear something like that and y'all know what that disease is Um, ms is is an immune disorder it causes the body to attack its own its own nerves and the the coating around each nerve just kind of just kind of dissipates 
And then eventually your mind is telling your body what to do, but your body, your limbs just won't cooperate. And that's what he heard from his doctor. And eventually everything the doctor said came true. You know, time went on for Pastor Sam here and he would be walking down a sidewalk. Can you all imagine just walking down the sidewalk and then boom, just like that, fall out? Or he could be in an elevator uh, with other folks and just lose your balance and hit the wall. Uh, he, he hit by his own testimony. He said, people thought I was drunk and I was the pastor. <laughs> he said one day he realized things were going from bad to worse when he found himself having to crawl through his house to go to the bathroom. And then things really got bad when he couldn't even stand up and take his own shower. He had to, had to have somebody put him in the shower where he could sit on a seat just to bathe. Yet, through it all, Sam never got angry, and he never got bitter. Can I share with you his testimony? Listen to what he said. He said, I was reading my Bible one day, and a passage just jumped off the page. It was so real to me that I just couldn't casually read past it. The Apostle Paul was talking about how he struggled just like me. He had a thorn in his flesh that he prayed at least three times for God to remove, but to no avail. Of course, God told him why, and now I realize that MS is not my battle anymore. It's God's. And I've got a physical example to look to here, and that's the apostle Paul, but it's not my battle anymore. It's Paul's. It's God's. And then he quotes from Rick Warren. Y'all know Rick Warren, right? Pastor of Purpose Driven Church, Purpose Driven Life, great books. He quotes Rick Warren, and he says, if you want God to bless you and use you greatly, this is good. Y'all listen up closely, okay? If you want God to bless you, And if you want God to use you greatly, you've got to be willing to walk with the limp for the rest of your life because God uses weak people. And then Pastor Sam said, I take that advice literally. And though I'm still learning what all this means, one thing I do know is when I can't, he can. So there's a reason that we go through hard times. And there again, as we get through this pandemic, guess what's around the corner? There's going to be something else. (laughs) And there's going to be hard times that you and I are going to have to, you know, wade through. But I like to think of it this way. Whenever we go through hard times, it's as if God, our Heavenly Father, is the gardener. And oh, how close he is to me and how close I am to him whenever I go through a time of pruning. Did you hear me? We're more closer to God when we go through times of pruning. And it might be hard times. But those hard times will be worth it all. So in your hard times, know this, is the loving arms of God embrace you. As you get devastating news you do not want to hear. I like to think that his hand sits upon your shoulder when you receive some type of dreaded diagnosis. I like to think that my heavenly father walks beside you. Y'all know what's coming tomorrow, right? Monday. Mondays are hard. Most pastors resign on a Monday. Mondays are tough. In fact, one of my heroes of the faith that for 30 years pastored Lakeview Baptist Church in Hartsville. In fact, he was an interim pastor at Kellytown for a year, almost a little over a year. I've recently been told that every Monday he was depressed, just about. That's how hard, I mean, there's something chemical that goes on. Travis could explain this. I'm putting you on the spot, but really not putting you on the spot, but there's a chemical, there's so much chemistry that goes on in our mind and in our body that when Sundays are over, that's why most pastors are like down in the dumps on Monday. It just drains you. And some of you that have been in the ministry know what I'm talking about there. But I like to think that God is there with us and his hand is upon our shoulders and he cries with you when you cry because of a 
wayward child or a rebellious child. When you wrestle with pain and suffering, he, he just draws you into his shadow and you feel his strength. Y'all with me? Are you thinking, when is this guy going to be quiet? I'm almost going to be quiet. But y'all started at 10 o'clock. I can go to 12, right? <laughs> no, preacher, you can't do that. All right. I, I found out some of y'all like to play golf. Man, I like to play golf too. I hear that Steve plays golf. And, and Tom recently told me, Tom Bone, that, that Steve probably, his golf game's probably boring because he's always hitting the balls where they need to go. And Tom's like me. He's kind of like Phil the Thrill Mickelson. The balls are going everywhere. You're getting your money's worth when you play. But, um, but I like golf. I don't play it enough to be really good at it, but I love it. I like being outside probably more than anything. Uh, and I really love who I play with. And some of the most fun I had recently in the golf course is being out there with, with some of my boys. But, um, but I love golf. And like many golfers, when I hit off the tee, y'all know what I'm talking about? When you hit off the tee, I want to be able to look back after I have my follow through and I want to be able to track the flight of the ball. And I'm praying I had a flight of the ball to track. Because sometimes you got a grass burner, right? But I'm hoping I've got a ball that I can just watch in the, in the sky. But here's what happens probably nine times out of 10. Trey, I'll say, um, I'll look at the person I'm playing with and I'm like, Hey, I lost, I, lost, I lost my ball. Did you see where it went? And they say, I didn't see it either, preacher. Or <laughs> I didn't see it. You know, they, they couldn't see it either. I played with a guy named Howard one time at Kellytown. We didn't play a lot because he was really, really, really good. And I wasn't. That's probably why he didn't play with me a lot. But um, I remember teeing off one time. And, of course, I didn't see my, the track, the flight of my ball. And I said, Howard, did you see it? And Howard was one of those guys that when he talked, he never moved his lips. But he said this, he's like, well, preacher, if you hit it in the fairway, if you hit it straight, you know exactly where it should be. <laughs> People like that just really bless my heart. <laughs> but the best days to play golf, the best days to play golf are not on sunny days. It's on days that look like that, that are somewhat overcast. Because if the clouds and if the haze and all that stuff can, can hide the sun, you can easily, more easily track the flight of your ball. And you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with the message? Well, golf is a lot like life. And we all love sunny days, don't we? And I do. I get to go outside, wash the car, cut grass. I love sunny days. Go to the beach, what have you. But it's those dark days. It's the hazy days. It's the cloudy days. Listen, when we see the sun shine a whole lot brighter. And there's days in our life we need that a lot. Let me ask you to bow your heads, every head bowed and every eye closed. Hard times are inevitable. And whenever you go through hard times, just some things I want to encourage you to remember. Remember the character of God. He loves you. Sometimes we get so focused on our trials, we lose focus of him. Whenever you go through hard times, and you will go through them, review the compassion of God. I mean, don't forget his character. Don't forget his compassion either. He is a compassionate God that loves you and he wants people saved and he wants the saved discipled. So when hard times come, maybe you can even rejoice in the celebration that God is Emmanuel and he is with you. Father, um, I know sometimes in our life it's going to come and it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard. But Lord, whenever those tough times and hard times come, I pray that um, we'll never forget who's on the throne and who's in control 
and that you are not only the creator of everything, you're our redeemer and you're our friend and you're our savior and Lord. And, and Father, I wonder if there's somebody here today that whenever they go through hard times can't look to you because they don't have a relationship with you. And if you're here today and if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, hey, what's, what's keeping you, friend? You know, I just know, I mean, hey, just maybe, just maybe, I mean, you might not ever hear me preach again. Just maybe, let's just be honest, right? You might leave here today and be involved in an automobile accident. I'm not trying to scare you, but it happened to a friend of mine last night. And you're wondering if you'll even come through or if a loved one will come through. What's keeping you from asking God to be your Savior today? If you never asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you just do me the, the privilege of just leading you in a prayer where you can ask God to come into your life and to save you? There is nothing that's special about the words that I say, but what is special is if you mean it in your heart. And sometimes if you're like me, you kind of stumble over words and you don't know what to say. So, so I just want to lead you in a, in a prayer. And if you never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior... Would you pray this prayer? And if you have asked him, would you pray for the people in front of you, behind you, that seating beside you? If you never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, would you pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross for a sinner like me. And Lord, today at Sheraw First Baptist, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I believe that you left heaven and you came to earth and you lived a sinless life and you went to the cross where you died upon the cross so that I wouldn't have to. And I confess that three days later you rose from the grave to give me victory over my sin and death. And Lord, would you come and live in my heart right now and help me to live the rest of my life for you. Still with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, we're going to sing a song in a few minutes. It's going to be our closing song. And uh, Pastor Trey is going to be down front. And I would love for you to come and just talk with him. And I wonder how long has it been since maybe you even came to the altar and said, hey, God, in complete humility before my church family, I'm coming asking you to be real in my life. I rededicate my life to you. Help me to go through hard times whenever hard times come. Father, I'm... A time where we respond to the message that we've heard from your word today. So, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to respond, not so that man can get the glory, but that you might get the glory. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your sovereignty, for your love for us. And, Lord, as we um, stand in a few minutes to sing a closing song, uh, Lord, thank you that you brought us together to hear a word from your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.